Good morning. Good to see all of you. So glad you're here. It's incredible how we, you and me, can be, we can be motivated by those things we desire. You know, I'm always impressed by the physical transformation I see in someone who sets out, uh, who desires to lose a good amount of weight, and they drop 50 or 100 pounds in like a year. It's, it's impressive, you know? These things that we desire can move us and drive us to do crazy things, huh? You know, I remember 25 years ago, you've heard that from me a lot recently, because 25 years ago, uh, in the fall is when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, is when I decided to believe in him and begin a process of learning to trust in him. And, uh, and so everything seems kind of really, it just sticks out to me, you know, that fall, uh, the Christmas. And 25 years ago, uh, on a cold February day in Brooklyn, New York, uh, and it was Valentine's Day, and it's, and it's snowing. And the weatherman says on the TV, not my iPhone, but the weatherman says, hey, you know what? Uh, we, the storm is coming in, and this is a storm that's coming up the eastern coast, right? Now, the thing is, it's Valentine's Day, and I am very attracted to, I deeply and strongly desire this female named Christy, huh? okay, who's going to a college in Rhode Island. It's maybe a few, three and a half hours away, you know, uh, depending on how yeah, I push that pedal, right? Um, and I've got some gifts for her, and man, I've been looking for, but I just, wow, you know? So I get in my car, I don't care about, I, man, this desire is driving me, and I set out, and me and the storm, we head north. Well, over eight hours later, I arrive on her campus. I left like 8, 8.30, I get there like 4.30 in the afternoon, man, and, and you know, and I'm not even exhausted, I just can't wait to see her, because I know I'm looking pretty darn good right now, right? I did it, I made it, I, I'm, just, I'm just like elevated myself another notch, you know? I mean, if I wasn't making Lloyd look bad enough, he was done at that point, huh? And so I got there, and, uh, you know, and, and uh, and, you know, and I, I, now I couldn't wait to take her out to dinner, meaning I was so, you'd think I'd be, like, wiped out. I couldn't, I, I just wanted to now get with her and take her out to dinner and hang out with her. But that didn't come to pass. She was in more of a sane place, uh, you know, the storm was in. They, I parked my car in the first open spot. I just wanted to get out and go and find her on the campus. Turns out I wasn't supposed to park there because when it snows and they went and they kind of, like, I do to this day believe they spitefully, you know, plowed my car in with snow. Well, when I realized that, what they didn't know is that I really was only a Christian for about two months, two and a half months, you know. And so you can play that I'm, I'm a new believer card for a while. And, man, I unloaded on them. <laughs> I tell you, I had another desire that came upon me, and I tracked down the head of the grounds, and it was an ugly scene, I got to tell you. I think I seen him like eight years later when I was preaching in the church, and I apologized to him. <laughs> the true story. I say, yeah, 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 it, it all comes around, you know. But it, it's just, you know, it, in pursuit of trying to get to something you desire, you know, you're going to do some unthinkable things, right, out of the ordinary things. And, and those desires will affect the, the decisions you make and the things you do. Today, we're going to look into a part of the Bible that teaches, you know, us that our desires, they, they, they really are God-given, you know, and, and, and you know, the, there are these wonderful good and, and desires that God's given us, and, and they're designed to bring us that beautiful life that we're talking about in this series. And, I, you know, now we're going to jump into Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, and then we'll go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Um, so Matthew 5, verse 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled... And Galatians 5.22 is the fruit of the Spirit is peace. Now, in this series, each week we're taking one beatitude, you know, which is a, a statement that Jesus makes in this Gospel of Matthew. As far as, like, these are the statements he's making to those. He's saying, this is who you are when you believe in me and trust in me, okay? Uh, and then we're lining it up with a characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit. Like, this is what comes from who you are. When you live out who you are in me, this is what's produced from that life. And altogether, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. Now, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. You and I 
We need to be hungry for the right things. I want you to get, I want you to walk out here this morning even think, am I hungry for the right things? If I pause and if I examine my thoughts, if I, if I consider what really, you know, moves me, what I desire, am I hungering for that which is right? And it's hard to do this, right? But whatever you desire, whatever you're hungering, hungering it's going to be a motivator in your life. It's going to move you. It's what you will wind up pursuing, Now, the Bible says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. It's a good thought to be filled, to be whole, right? The Bible says that we receive individual righteousness as a gift from Jesus. That's hard for us to wrap our minds around, right? That we are righteous. It's a gift from Jesus. The good news is this. Let me put it this way, that you and I are in our own being, apart from God, apart from what Jesus did, we're unrighteous, right? Meaning, we're not as good as we should be. Now, Jesus came from heaven to earth, wrapped himself in human flesh. He was perfect. He was fully man, fully God, and he, he lived a perfect life. He was crazy righteous. He died on the cross in my place and in your place. So the one, the one who's dying is just and he's dying for the unjust. The one who lived a perfect life is dying for the one who is imperfect. But death could not hold him. I was talking to somebody earlier this week over breakfast, sharing with them the gospel, you know, and the difference of the different religions and how the thing is that death could not hold Jesus. Our deity, our Lord, our Savior is not in the grave. He's been resurrected. All that we hold to is, is built on that, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is power, yes? And we place that and and in as much as we share in all the other all that he has we share in that resurrection i want you to get that we share in that resurrection in that resurrection of jesus when we place our trust in jesus his resurrection becomes our resurrection his new life becomes our new life and his righteousness becomes our righteousness it's who we are second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21. It says, God made him who had no sin, Jesus, to be sin for us on that cross so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, meaning that we would be made right with God because of what Jesus did on the cross. The question is this. If you're right with God, are you hungering the right things? Meaning, from a place of being right with God, now as you're examining your life and how you're living it out, are you hungering the right things? Are you desiring the right things? In Psalm chapter 42, verses 1 through 2, it says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God, my my soul thirst hungers for the living God where can I go and meet with God wow the idea of can you just picture the idea of having a hunger to be with God to meet with God to 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 be in his presence a thirst to do that to be driven by that to be right with God to be close with God And, and the thing is He's made you this way to hunger and thirst for this. Jesus has given you a position to be right before God. We need to live from that. Remember, the Beatitudes aren't, this is what you should be. The Beatitudes are, this is who you are. This is who you are. Are you hungry for the things of God? If you pause and understand who you are and what you created to be, and slow things down and, and detach yourself from this world around you that is so overwhelming and so loud and just listen to your inner being and reconcile your soul with your cognition and say, wow, this is who I am and this is what I want to hunger for. Listen, I, I, I don't know about you, but 
I'm going to tell you, if I am not intentional about hungering for the things of God, it does not go well. I will eventually attach myself to unholy things. I will begin to develop appetites in myself that are ungodly. I was talking to somebody, I think Friday maybe, and, and about life and people and saying, you know, some people, I said, they, they can live out this, you know, this relationship with God in kind of a way where, you know, it, it, they manage to, do, to get enough of the God stuff where it seems to, you know, float their boat and, 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 it, and it helps them in a certain way. And, and yet enough of themselves, you know, that, you know, it's a balance for them. So, and, and, and it's enough for them to sort of kind of keep it together and keep this going, you know? Like, okay, and, 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 and on the surface, it looks really good. With all my heart, from just 25 years of observing this thing called Christianity, right? We're talking about God here and seeing people, you know, and, and then more and more every year getting more involved in people's lives, On the surface, it might seem okay, but really underneath, it's just, it's not doing well with you. It's not fulfilling. But you know what? You can do that, some of you. I can't. For me, it's like all or nothing. But again, I'm just, I I just can't balance that. I don't, and it's not because I'm so good. Actually, maybe because I'm so bad. Again, if I, if I am not, if I am not intentional about, about being hungry for God and feeding that hunger and, and feeding that appetite with the things of God, I will drift the other way. And I have at times in, in, in 25 years. So that's why I can tell you, it's certainly I need, I am paramount when I am truly seeking and thirsting, continually hungering for the things of God. Right? This is where I find my f- being fulfilled. You might look and say, well, yeah, you know, you know, I, you know, he's, you know you're a minister and you're a pastor, so that's why you think, no, I, I, that's why sometimes they just call me Dave. No, I'm, I'm really, we're just, I bleed, I breathe. I'm just like you in many ways. I, I, somehow in me, I've just come to see this is truly what's most fulfilling to me. I didn't get on this wagon and this path 28 years ago to live a sucky life, man. I didn't do this because I couldn't do anything else. I didn't do this because, I, I did it because observing so many things and people and ways of life and, and hanging out in Brooklyn, New York and looking at people and, just, and, and experiencing this, this Jesus and this Christianity. I'm like, this is what seems to bring it all together. This is what just not only makes so, so much sense when I observe it, but just then there's this unexplicable thing that's going on in me that, that I cannot deny. That if I just pause, just says, yeah, it, it's right, man. It's, it just, when I kind of just, kind of, I don't know if the words concede to it or submit to it or just embrace it, it's just, it's good. And I'm, I'm being fulfilled, right? And from that I began to hunger and thirst for that which is righteous, Listen, the, the Bible, and I began to say no to some things and yes to other things. When you're, hung, when you're hungering and desiring for what's right, when you're feeding a righteous appetite, you're going to find yourself doing that. Saying no to those things, which not only don't fit your godly appetite, but those things that will now create an ungodly appetite to you, in you. The Bible says, be, be on guard, be aware of those things that will create unhealthy appetites in you. Watch what you're indulging in, entertaining, doing, thinking. It, it, it's going to stoke and create and, and build these unhealthy appetites in you, right? And, and some of those will deter us hinder us, obscure us from really experiencing this phenomenal, great living and loving God. Just, just, and, and, and it's, it's getting, it's becoming easier and easier and easier to do that. I, I am sometimes saying, wow, you know, I go back and forth. I'm like, wow, what would it be like for me now? You know, because I'm, look, 25 years ago now. So if I was doing all that now, what would it look like? And I've thought about that. And I see, you know, to say, well, that would have been easier. That would have been harder, Right? But it is. I mean, right now it is a lot of those what I call unhealthy, unholy appetites uh, are fairly common in our culture right now. Very common. Uh, And very permissible. You know, pornography. 
I was talking with, you know, a, a young man, you know, a couple of weeks ago about this subject, and, and, um, and, and he was explaining to me how, you know, and I'm trying to, you know, kind of walk gently on the whole pornographic thing, the masturbation thing. I know I said I would never say that word, but I did, huh? So, and, you know, because the two generally are linked, and, and so, and, and, and I'm, and, and, you know, basically they, they look at me and they're like, oh, you know, it, you don't really, it's kind of pretty common out there. We, we talk about it. It's out there. And I'm like, so really, like, he's, he's just, like, he's acknowledged. He's like, yeah, I'm like, man, in no way we would do that 25 years ago, you know? It was like two things you never admitted, that and if you killed somebody. Like, no way, you know? And, uh, but, so, it's common, pornography and all that. But it's not going to bring you to a beautiful life, is it? Indulging in pornography is not going to lead you to a beautiful life. It's going to stoke, as you, you know, it's going to stoke an unhealthy appetite, and it's going to create other unhealthy appetites to you. Um, Alcohol, you know, the indulgence, excessive overindulgence, continued indulgence in alcohol, it's it's permissive, it's common. It's not going to lead you to a, a, you know, a, a, a beautiful life. Marijuana, weed, yeah, it's common, it's legal, it's permissible. It's not going to bring you to the beautiful life God has for you. And, and, and highly likely, it's going to create other unhealthy and unholy appetites in you that, that you will, you know, look to fulfill, right? Sexual relations outside of marriage, you know, yeah, it is... It's common, it's permissive, it's, it's, in, in, it, 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 it's satisfaction, I believe, in these moments, but it's not going to bring you the beautiful life that God has for you. And, 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 and many times, it will bring out other unholy appetites, or appetites that are apart from God. It could hinder you from truly, truly seeking and thirsting and hungering for the righteousness of God. Do you hear me? It, it, it might not seem so wrong, but it's not so right. And, and, and you're settling, you know, albeit every situation is different and, and these things can be complicated. And, and, and again, I, I, I'm not there, but I'm just, what I'm telling you is, listen, from observation, wow, you're just being held back and you're holding yourself back from really bringing yourself to that place of hungering and thirsting for that which is good and godly and holy and for yourself to be truly fulfilled. And I'm all over the place here, so i got to get back on track. Look, what happens is in many of these things, you're slowly, you could even toss finances in there as well. There's many people, that, that's really their great thunder, and th- uh, th- thunder. Their, grace, their great hunger and thirst is to be financially set, to be able to, you know, uh, control everything, to be able to, you know, to be in a good place. And it continually just evades them, right? And that's really what they're hungering and thirsting for, that, that financial independence, you know? Really, it's the, the whole course of this incredible thing we have. This, this, we have life. We have life right now today. We can live. We can choose life. And we now take that whole incredible, wonderful, with all its potentials and possibilities, and it's like, okay, we're going to turn around and get into a really good school. We're going to turn around and get a really good job. We're going to make a bunch of money. That's, that, that's really what is so much what we're hungering and thirsting for. And that, that, that's, you know, it's not a bad thing. It's just not the best thing. It's just not what you created for. You can do that in the context of hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Do you understand that? Christian and I educate our children. We were talking last night about one of our children's path and when they're going to college. But in the context, that submitting itself to them hungering and thirsting for the things of God. Because that's where we know they'll find fulfillment. And come on, you and I both know that ultimate fulfillment is not being found in that plan, in that what I call the golden path. Listen, when you go on that path of anything I mentioned and more, what happens is you slowly, you good people with good intentions, slowly move away from this desire of God, from this hungering of God, you know, and, and, and as you begin to ultimately try and fulfill these things, you are hindered from living out the beautiful life God called you to. And you see what I did there? I want you to understand this. Desire leads to fulfillment. 
the things you desire, you will pursue to fulfill. Yes? Of course. That which you are desiring, you're going to attempt to fulfill. Listen to what the Bible says. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. The word filled here means to be satisfied. That was it. When I, when, 25 years ago, I just said, man, I'm just, I'm just not just, just What am I doing here? Let me just be honest with my, I am just so unsatisfied with me. And every day was just another way to try and find satisfaction in something else and this or that. And, and I just at 20, I said, okay, stop it, man. What's going on? Whatever you desire, you will seek out its fulfillment. When we are hungry for those things that are right before God, then God promises, he promises to satisfy the longing of our hearts. Did you get that? When we hunger and thirst for that which is righteous, for that which is of God, God promises to fulfill those desires. It's not us striving and clawing and manipulating and anxious and wrestling and, 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 and managing to fulfill our desires. It's God fulfilling our righteous desires. So much more peace, so much more godly comfort. And that's a beautiful thing. Now, if you desire carnal things, things what we call of the flesh, things that are not of God, we, or what I call are temporary things, because they are temporary. Come on, we all know this. Even if you don't believe in God, these are temporary things. But when you thirst and you hunger for these things that are of God, you know what? He'll fulfill them. You'll see them, albeit it's a process. Sometimes it will happen immediately. Sometimes, often it's a process, a, a wonderful process that sees you being drawn closer to him and valuing and appreciating all that he is. But when we now thirst and hunger for those things that are not right before God, we, we, we will see, I don't, we'll see fulfillment, in my opinion, we'll see fulfillment of those things in one form or another, to one extent. But they really are generally very short-lived and, and, and often, if not entirely, unsatisfying in the long run. Life becomes just striving. Life becomes, our life becomes filled with so much temporary. We're, we're building our kind of our house, all that we are, all that potential, all that possibility, we're putting it on like quicksand. But it's not what we have to do. Righteousness is a gift that comes from Jesus. Jesus tells us, the Bible tells us that when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we will be filled. You will be satisfied. God is promising to satisfy your soul, for your soul to be well. Now, the question is, have you found that deep satisfaction and longing for your souls in Jesus? And, and even some of you who are believers in Jesus and have begun to follow him, you might not have come to that place. I, I, just, I just like to be, just be you know, honest or open as best as I can, you know, that I do. I think there are many people, I've been there, that I believe in Jesus. I'm living out my life for Jesus. I'm changing, and, and I just, I don't have this, like, satisfaction, you know. I don't have this great comfort and nurturing in my soul, right? I don't think Jesus has fulfilled the desires of my heart, and, and, and I would say, you know, perhaps that is not happened. Or maybe it's in the process of happening, but happening, but you just haven't seen evidence of it yet. But, in, but, but it, you are in that process. And here's what I'd say. And the very evidence of what I just said is that you realize that there's something greater to happen in you. Th that's often how I would gauge myself through the years. Like I would say, okay, just the fact that I'm struggling with this right now is so good because before I would just capitulate and before that I wouldn't even struggle <laughs> you know like whatever just the fact that you're aware that there's something greater to happen in you from God is an awesome thing just the fact that you are desiring 
and expecting something greater in God to happen in you is phenomenal. It is phenomenal. It's supernatural. And that's, that's just that, that self-awareness and that desire for God is, is just great. And I would tell you to, to hold on and to hang on and to know who Jesus is and what he's made you to be. And that God is a faithful God. He's never broken a promise. And he will give you the desires of your heart as you thirst and hunger for righteous things, those things in him. I want you to believe that, that God is working in you. Now, some of you haven't placed your faith in Jesus. And, and your life is, as I said before, this kind of continuous flow of striving, of managing, of going day to day, trying to find this satisfaction, right? And you just, you can't get no satisfaction, huh? You know? I, I, well, I can't dance like Mick. I can't sing like Mick. My lips are almost as big as Mick's, right? That's a good thing, baby, right? That's a good thing to be merry. Okay, we'll leave it alone. We'll put that on the side. But when you put your faith and your trust in Jesus, again, God promises he will satisfy you. Look, our coach will tell us, you know, be more, buy more, try harder. And God says, listen, all you need you have in my son Jesus Christ and that believing, believing and trusting in him is going to satisfy the deepest, deepest parts of your soul and your heart. We at Chair City Church, we want you to live out this meaningful life. As I said a few weeks ago, what is the meaning of life? Like Meaning this is what we have. We, have. we can have meaning. We really do. I, I am not content as a pastor unless I see you and experience you and observe you and know that you are progressing in life, living it out more meaningfully, better and better in every day and every way. And, and, that, and that's my objective. I sat with somebody for an hour and a half yesterday saying, this, I just, I, we just have to keep going with this. We just can't, we can't concede because of growth and numbers, and, and we've got to hold on to this part of it. Seeing people truly improve spiritually and emotionally, relationally. We want them to grow and to get better. We truly want them to be the glory of God on this earth, yes? And so we're offering, we, we approach this in different ways. And one of the ways that we do is serving. It's, to me, it is an opportunity for you to serve. And it, it's such a huge part of what we do here. And, and the reason why that's come out, you'll see things come out at Cher City, and it's, it's, it, it's indicative of what God did in me. Relationship. Can, you know, seeing people apart from God come in and connecting and relating to them. Like, I was 28, and, and you know, serving the community. And, and, and then this serving, which because it, it was such a huge part of me, for me to, somebody who was just immersed in my world and seeing everything from how it would benefit me and how it would connect to my world and my schedule and my desires and what I was pursuing, to step out of that and to do something entirely for someone else and it not somehow benefiting, supporting, cooperating with what I was doing was just, it just wasn't even, enter- I wouldn't even entertain it. Why would I? Because I thought what I was doing was so good and was so righteous and was so, I I got it. So I just simply could not go there. And then when I came to believe in Jesus, it was one of the first things I went to. And I've talked about that, you know, going out and going to a homeless shelter and helping out a a prostitute. And and, and, and it's just, it was one of the first things I jumped into. I was still living whacked in areas of my life, but I was doing that. To serve, to, to care for someone else. This simply must be evident in your life as a believer. As your pastor, let me look at each and every one of you. I don't need you. I love you. I care for you. I am incomplete without you as a believer. We all are. But I will never tell you I need you to serve in this church. It's not how I began. I've never done it. Because that's not what I bought into. I need to do this. I have to do this. Things are so terrible because you're not doing this. I'll never do that. And thank God I've never had to do that. Maybe because I've never done it. 
What I tell you is what I believe in, what I've lived, what I've seen change people's lives is for you to serve. And as, as you who have this phenomenal privilege of knowing Jesus, and it is a privilege, and I commend you for all that it took to courageously step into that, because we are in, you know, New England and the United States, and it's just not an easy thing to do. But as I said, man, I'm not going to battle through all that to just sit here. I'm not going to battle through all that to say, okay, you know, I got here. Now let me back, run back over here and grab some of the things that I was using to get by and let me bring it on over here. Come on, what is that? I want new life. Now look, I risk my life to come into Christianity. I literally risk my life to come into Christianity. I lost and suffered significantly in various areas when I came in. So my buy-in was high. I was talking to somebody yesterday and in my seminary class Thursday night, uh, I, about 8 o'clock at night, I wasn't hearing right, but I'm pretty sure I heard the teacher say something about, you know, the difference between the church before Constantine and like, you know, A.D. 300 and something, and, and the church after Constantine when Christianity was made legal. Before that, it was illegal, and you suffered. Not everybody suffered, but... A good number of people suffered, and some to the extent of losing their lives. The buy-in was high. And that, and that b- produced an incredible group of people. That changed the world, man. After Constantine, it became legal, and now the buy-in was a little bit lower. And you can see some of the effects of that. Now, I'm certainly glad for my Christian fellow men and women that they were no longer being slaughtered. I'm sure they were too. <laughs> Listen. Look. We, you followed Jesus. You followed him. He's leading you. What is he leading you to? Empathy? What is he leading you to? Lackadaisicalness? What is he leading you to? Tell me, what are you doing with your life right now? Whose life are you changing right now? Who's, who are you caring for right now? Who can you turn around and sit down and go home and say, I feel so much better about who I am because I have, I've affected their life today. I have served them. I have cared for them. Man, you, you just need to come here with me. I've abandoned my message. I'm going to tell you right now. But I just, I'm telling you, follow him. Let him lead you. Serve. Just get involved. It's life-changing. And yes, in doing that, you know, it's funny. You, you, you're going you're gonna to say, well, you know, my schedule and, and what's going on and what's happening in my life right now. And right, and you're going to honor God. You're going to thirst for him. You're going to step out for him. And he's going to say, yeah, yeah, now, now we're going to hurt you. Now I'm going to bring devastation into your life. That's not what he's going to do. Oh, well, well, you're Dave and you're the church and you, you need you, you need help right now. This is just you're manipulating me to, you know, to do something. And I'm me, and I got it together here, and, and I'm going to work this out here. And, you know, God is here. This really doesn't have a lot to do with God. This has everything to do with God. Because you, the God you worship came down from heaven, wrapped himself in human flesh, walked as a servant. What was Jesus? He was a what? He was a servant. And he calls us continually in the scriptures to be servants. He took off the royal robe and the royal robe and wrapped himself in a towel and washed his disciples' feet as to show us to serve, to love each other by serving. See, because when you serve people, you get closer to them. Distance creates distraction, and proximity creates passion. You're closer to them, a human being. Mom, dad, children, and God works without proximity, and you begin to become passionate about them. And now the accusations, the distortions, the coldness, the disconnectedness is not there as much, if at all. You're seeing a human being, and you're having the satisfaction, the fulfillment in your soul of caring for them, regardless of their reaction to what you're doing. Serve. When we do things here, we do them with the intention of how will people serve in us. We, we don't want to do anything that's not meaningful. I refuse to do it here. I won't do something just for the sake of doing it. And that's why we put time into it and money into it and effort into it. And that's why you see my family at it. Because it's meaningful to us. I don't have to be there. We want to be there. Because we know it's meaningful. We know it's going to come of it. 
relationships, connections. We know, who knows what God is doing here, that he's going to work through our life. So I, as your pastor, who have seen this work in my life, and who've seen it work in the lives of so many people sitting around you, I'm telling you, calling you to serve. And in doing that, hunger and thirst for righteousness. In doing that, seeing fulfillment in your life. So you have a card. It's got different categories. As you're looking at that card, there's somebody behind that title. Kid, church, preschool, nursery, greeting, cafe, AVL, whatever it be. might be parking. There's somebody waiting for you to connect into their life. Maybe even by picking up something they dropped. We've heard that. We've heard people sit in restaurants saying, you know, I went to that church and, and the people in the parking, that was so nice to me and I didn't expect that. And, and we've heard, people have heard this. And they're talking to somebody else who's talking to somebody else and God is an incredible God. Will you serve today? Will you step away from being uncommon? Will you interrupt your desiring that might be unrighteous or what you settle for? Serve today. You are not alone when you serve. We are more and more and more and never than ever preparing to build up an incredible, we'll call it the heartbeat of our volunteer system. I do. I think personally we got a bit distracted when we came in here. And now we are going to pour ourselves into it because I feel it is my responsibility as a pastor to be a conduit of God's blessing into your life when you are serving. Right? And I w- we want to do that more than ever. I've told, I've told all my leadership, this is where we want, we, we're going we're to go now. I want to focus on people who are serving deeply. I want them to see the results of what's happening in their life. I don't want to just see it. They got to see it too. I want them to know what. I want them to know we're here. I'm encouraging you to, to join a team. What is that? You might not, you'll hear from somebody in about a week. It'll take about two weeks. We, we go through a slow process. We don't just hook, boom. You'll get a call. You'll get a letter. You'll tell somebody, why don't you come in now, shadow. You, don't, you just, just observe and see how it's going. See if this is something that will work for you. We, we care about you. And then you, when you go in, you, you see if that's your sweet spot, if it fits. We have people move around and jump around. I think Gina Sousa, I saw you in here this morning. I think she's now in Kitch Church. She's been on like three different spots. But each time she's smiling. So as long as she's smiling, I'm smiling. And in each place, you know, she's getting to know people. How many people know Gina Sousa here? You know? Yeah, a good amount of people. And more than that. But I know her. And you know what I know? That she's serving her God. I'm seeing her grow. I'm seeing her change. I'm seeing of God working through her life. I hear of another person speaking well about her. And you know, as a pastor, that's joy to me. That's just joy to me. So join a team today. Meaning explore, get out, and serve and care for another person today. Don't live another day as a follower, I'm going to follow Jesus, except when it comes to serving. Even though my God, the pinnacle of him being God, was him serving, I'm going to live out my faith and not serve. You just, you just don't want to do that, man. You do that, and you're leaving a massive chasm, a gap for the enemy to come in and start to lean you towards desiring and pursuing that which is not of God. So, I should have been over with my sermon six minutes ago. And I've got to get to the end. We're going to do this somehow. Uh, all right, let's leave this off. Good. Let's go to this. Let's go right to the end. So we're going to, we're going to jump to the end. We're going to put our beatitude and our fruit of the Spirit together. Right? Our beatitude is blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And the fruit of the Spirit is patience. Yeah. The fruit of the Spirit is patience. And here's what I want to tell you today. The key to fulfillment is patience. Right? And I hope I didn't go on too long that I lost you there. The key to fulfillment is patience. You put these two together. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So you hunger and you thirst for the right things, the godly things. God promises to fulfill and satisfy your desires, the the longing for your soul. Yes. And the key to this, the the key to that fulfillment is patience. God has promised to fulfill you, 
to take care of you. But for many of us, we struggle with the whole timing of it, right? It's just that's the point. The, the whole timing thing is where we get off. You know, it's the, we can't manage that timing of when that fulfillment is going to happen. When that fulfillment of those promises will take place. And see, one of the qualities of patience is being able to say, I'm going to base my life in this time or in this circumstances on a timetable of another. Oh, when I say that, some of you cringe, right? You just cringe when I say that. I cringe when I say that. I'm going to base my life in a certain area, to what extent it varies, on a timetable of another person. Oh, just really, I get nauseous saying it. it it's great for Christy. It's a terrible thing for me. Listen. How about I'm going to let my life run on God's timetable, right? I'm going to be patient. Most of us, God's, we'll hang in there with God for a bit, but, but to a point, the time, because our timing is now. The right timing for us is now or as close to now as possible, right? We don't, listen, this creates distortions in us. It, it, it creates, an, we're unsettled. We, be, we begin to jump to conclusions. We begin to run out there prematurely. We're kind of all over the place. We're not stable. We're, we're coming to certain, you know, conclusions, right? When we don't understand something or people or the way they behave, it, we, we get out there. Let's watch a quick video. Fred had on a shirt that said, if you don't speak English, leave the country. Um, but it was written in English, so... So I walked up to him and I said, you're dumb. But I said it in Spanish, though, so he didn't know. He didn't know. A few summers ago, I took my uh, family on vacation to Mexico. Um, the first two days were rough because the people there kept calling me a Negro. Uh, the third day, I realized they were saying amigo, and it was all cool. That was cool, so. I just thought that was funny, you know. <laughs> Somebody sent it to me yesterday, and I said, I'm going to get that in there somehow. I just thought the whole Negro Amigo thing, I was laughing like heck. But, but I thought it was an example of, you know, how, you know, we, we jump to these conclusions, right? You know, we know, okay, here's somebody who's different from us, speaking different from us, acting different, different from us, right? Different traditions. And so now, you know, we will simply then, what? We, will, we get impatient with them and, and in many different ways, and we begin to jump to conclusions, right? And we do this in all of life, huh? We, you look at the story of Abraham and Sarah and, and all that went on there. You know, Abraham, Sarah, I got I to gotta move this along. God promises them a child. They're up in age. The time is going by. The child hasn't come. Sarah says, okay, uh, you know what? I, I, got a, I got a plan. Abraham, why don't you sleep with my maidservant? Ab- Abraham's like, well, yeah, if I got it, sure. Okay, whatever. And they, Sarah winds up, you know, bearing a child, um, Ishmael, right? And then, and, 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 and then, you know, and then years later, we see the fulfillment of that promise in, in, in Isaac, 12 years later. But, but what happened from that? From Abraham and Sarah carrying out, you know, not waiting on God. Well, today we have massive issues in this part of the world that we know is the Middle East. Actually, it's it's poured over into all our our world, right? This matter of Jews and Islam and and, and even you can almost bring Christianity into it now. And all that came from these two people not waiting on God. Tell me, not being patient with God, yes? God had the promise for them. Let's and they be and they were they were thirsting and hungering for a right thing. We thir- we we can thirst and hunger for what is right and what is good. But now we have to bring in patience to see the fulfillment of that which is righteous and good in our lives. Do you get that? See the the word patience. It, it says patience in most of your Bibles, and some of your Bibles, depending on the translation, it might say long suffering. Right? There aren't a lot of those down, but that's really what the word patience means. When written in the original Greek language, the word there means to suffer for a bit, to suffer for a long time. That's the greatest biblical definition I can give you of the word patience. Patience, you know, and, and we live in a culture of comfort, right? And that's, again, comfort is pretty good. I go, you know, at some point today, I will sit on my couch, I'll grab some iced tea, I'll, uh, I'll get comfortable, man. Comfort is good. I'll beg Christy to please rub my back. I'll be like, oh, my back, yeah, yeah. I'm a, but, but we can get 
overwhelmed with it. I won't get, but I think in that whole thing, in that whole discourse, of that whole mini sermon of the whole serving, is that I think some of it comes from just we're looking to be, we're overwhelmed with being comfortable, right? You know? And, and, and it, too much of it, we're consumed with it. And what happens is it gets us into ourselves. And the, the consequence for that is that we become very unwilling or kind of disconnected or not familiar with long-suffering, suffering for a bit, right? And, and, and what I'm telling you is if you're going to experience the beautiful life, part of that is going to be some patience, and which means some long-suffering. See, the beauty, get me here, the beauty of long-suffering is trust. Yeah, you and I, 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 I got to get this in here. You and I can suffer long if what? If we trust in God. So, you know, if you trust in God, you can suffer long. If you, if you trust in him, then you will see him bring the fulfillment of his promises into your life, right? But if you don't trust in God and you're not patient, then likely you will not see that come to fruition. Wait on the Lord. Trust in God. Right, I got to move forward. Listen, trust is this. Trust is kind of, you might say, I believe in God. I believed in God. I believed in Jesus when I met Christy, when I was living my crazy life. I told her, I've, I've said this many times from up here, or in the cinema. She said, do you believe in Jesus? I said, I believe in Jesus. I said, the difference between you and me, I didn't know I was a theologian back then. This is exactly what I said. I said, the difference between you and me is you trust him, I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't trust the Bible. I don't trust Jesus. I don't trust God. I don't, I don't trust anything, man, you know. Listen, trust in God, which is why if you've been around me, you, you won't get through three conversations with me if they're lasting more than a few minutes or five minutes without me giving you this verse. And it is one of my, kind of my go-to verses in Scripture. And I continually look for it, and I meditate on it, and I examine myself through this. And it's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. You see that? Trust in the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding. I didn't say don't sin. I didn't say don't harm anybody. I said, I didn't say, the scripture, God says don't lean on your own understanding. It could be logical. It could be reasonable. It might be working for you and you kind of balancing, you know, the life. But is it trusting in him? He's saying don't lean on your understanding. Otherwise, you might be in the process of creating an Ishmael and you don't even know it. Right? You, your wife, your kids, years from now are going to be like, wow, how did we get here? I was leaning on my own understanding, and I wasn't trusting in God. Perhaps if I would have, I would have seen the fulfillment of his promises. In all your ways, verse 6, submit to him, and he's going to make your path straight. Meaning, in all your life, trust in him. You know, you surrender to him. Pursue him, desire him, hunger for his righteousness and the things that are of him and what? And he's going to guide you. He's going to make that path straight. I believe that's where the provisions are. Right now, as you are even considering giving more of yourself to God and trusting in him, I'm telling you the heavens are open and they're, they're guiding you to the, the provisions are there. I've literally sat with people, happened, to, happened a week ago, and as I see them, now beginning to surrender and yield and, and desire to do good by God in areas of their life, sometimes within days and weeks, I'll see God amazingly open it up in their life. And you know what? I say two things. Thank God and think, imagine if they wouldn't have. Guess what? It would have been there anyway. You, you understand? Meaning that, that his provisions are there. It's not like, you know, he, he's, it's not like we desire, okay, I'm going to turn around and trust in God right now acknowledge him, lean not on my own understanding, and then God's going to be like, okay, okay, hold on, we'll get somebody, yeah, let's go do it. No, it's there. It's there. People, men, women, old, young, the provisions of God are there waiting for you. Right? Like the promise there was waiting for the Jewish people. 
It's not like they said, okay, we're going we're gonna to obey God. We're going to trust in God. Moses says, I'm going to turn around and go out and serve you and lead these people. And God said, okay, I'll be right back. I got to go create the promised land. It was there. It's his promise. He promises to fulfill the desires of your heart. They're there. Trust in him. That's the second mini-sermon. I'm killing you this morning. All right, why don't, you, why don't you stand and we'll get out of here. All right, for our guests, so glad you're here. We usually go to about 10-10. Look, when we trust in God, and that's a beautiful thing, and I say trust, no matter what the circumstances are, we are, being, we are willing to suffer long. We are going to trust in him. And by doing that, we know that we are going to see him fulfill the desires of our heart. If you're following Jesus and you're hungering for that which is right, praise God. Keep trusting in him. Keep leaning on him. Put aside your own understanding. Know that your pastor is praying for you. Each one of you, I prayed before and I'll pray pray later. Call me if there's something you're struggling with. You're holding on. I want you to contact me. If if you have been driven to temporary things, if you examine yourself today and say, well, I've been driven to temporary things, okay, um, things I'm putting myself into that are not righteous or certainly fall short of what God has, today turn to him. Really repent, turn from those ways and turn to God and say, wow, you know, this, I, today I, I've examined myself and I realize there's a need, a desire for me to hunger for that which is righteous and I'm doing it, I'm going to start it right now as they're playing this song, I'm going to begin to thirst and hunger for that which is righteousness, knowing you will fulfill the desires, the longing of my soul. Now, if you came in here today and you did not believe in God, you did not believe in him, I want to tell you this. God can be trusted. That's what it came down for, for me. Will I trust God? And I want to tell you, with all that I am, God can be trusted. He can be trusted with your past. He can be trusted with your present. And he can be trusted with your future. Yeah. He holds it all. The Bible says that Jesus goes before all things, and Jesus keeps all things together, including you. Yes? You know what it's like to live an unfulfilled life. I truly believe that. Try today to place your trust in Jesus as they're playing that song. Come before God, the God who's awakened you to your need of him, and, and, and express your desire to know more of him. E- express your intention and desire, remember desire, pursuing, to now trust in him, right? Put some feet on that belief that what God is doing in you. That's what I had to do. Thank, thank him for giving his life on the cross in place of your life. Thank him, you know, although you lived imperfectly, that he lived perfectly. Thank him for making a way that your sins would be forgiven, that you could today be made right with God and be right before God. When... You came in today, Christy talked about you having a connection card. I think that's what we call it. It's a welcome card. On one side it says, uh, I am starting a relationship with Jesus. I'm going to renew my relationship with Jesus. There are many people around you who began this road right here, this way. Check one of those boxes off and take the card to the guest services table. Uh, And they'll give you a package and it will get you going. And you have now begun to live a life of hungering and thirsting for that which is right. Huh? And know that God will fulfill the longing of your souls. To God be the glory. Thanks for hanging in there.